Greetings and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Britt Adams, joined by a man who thinks Firewatch has something to do with soaking a Rolex in kerosene, Mr. Lauren Bobgarden. Lauren! What's up, Brent Adams? I say a fine hello to you from the United States of America. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. I'm sorry I wasn't here for you last week. I, I heard that... Uh I, I heard that somebody else showed up, but uh, you know, yeah, who cares I can't, about that? Though, listen, the point I, is, I that can't be responsible. The point is that you're back, and uh, and we're very happy. That to is have the you. point, frankly. That is the point. By, the, by we, I of course mean the nation, the United States of America, to which you uh, you just referred a moment ago. Uh, we've been <laughs> lost without you, buddy. I mean, anybody who lives here in the U.S. knows that, uh, frankly. Uh, the last uh, 12 months or so hadn't been so great. You know, uh, a lot of people are hurting, a lot of things going wrong, a lot of scandal in the air. Some people blame the Obama administration. I say no. I said once Lauren Bobgarden moves back, it's all going to get sorted out. You'll see. You know, that, that actually kind of hurts me a little bit, Brent, because I've actually been gone close to 20 months. So well, I, uh, apparently there were eight months in there that you just didn't give a well, shit. Well, I, I mean, you know, it takes time for those things to sink in. I mean, sometimes people think they're doing okay, <laughs> and then they wake up one day and realize, like, wait a minute, th- this is a quagmire of shit. That's exactly I mean, right. Like, uh, like this guy, like this Robert Durst character that just got uh, that just got arrested on like a fifteen year old yeah. murder, and that happens the same week that you come back. Coincidence? No. No, I don't think those so. Those cops in New Orleans, they know you're back. They're on their game. They're like, listen, Lauren Baumgart's back in this motherfucking country, so we've got to step the game up. And, the, and so they did. Um, that, that is exactly right. I think, you know, we're, we're going to we're gonna get to the bottom of this Hillary Clinton email situation because nobody's going to rest knowing that Lauren Baumgarten is out there. He's standing on a wall. He's doing his thing. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> anyway, uh, welcome back. Man. It's great to have you. Thanks. It's good to be back. Uh, as I said, I'm sorry I wasn't able to be here last week. I, I was hoping to to not miss a week during the the tra- travels, but uh, as you know, I arrived in my new home a scant several hours before uh, when we record the show, yes. and so uh, I did not have a computer up and running. I did not have uh, really anything other than boxes. So, uh, but I am uh, at least moderately set up now and set up enough to record. And let me tell you what, uh, it didn't feel the same without you. And so uh, it's nice to get some normalcy back into my life (laughs) i'm gonna be honest with you this may be the one and only time that any human being has said getting me back in their lives led them to some feeling of normalcy that's (laughs) that is a unique moment in my life journey uh fair enough but i i uh, i'm glad tony was able to fill in last week i I heard you guys had a great time we had a good time you know the only thing that would have made it made it better um the only thing that would have made it better, everybody thinks that Bader isn't actually a word, but if you live in the South, you know that Bader is actually a word, which uh, the definition is more gooder. Anyway, my point is <laughs> that Tony and I had a great time, and the only thing that would have made it better is if you would have miraculously been able to appear on the show, and it would have been the three of us. We'll have to do that again somewhere down the road. 
Absolutely. And I know our listeners appreciated, you know, it was, it was kind of a fortunate uh, set of circumstances that led to having uh, Daniel and Tony on the show. Uh, so, so close together. That wasn't uh, necessarily planning of any sort of EBC, you know, parsed out reunion or anything like that, but it worked out that way. And I know the listeners appreciated hearing uh, from both of them recently too, because I know that there's been a hole in their tiny little hearts uh, for Daniel and Tony as well. So I'm, I'm very grateful to Tony. Thank you for, for coming on and, and uh, guest hosting the show with Brent and, and uh, uh, I wish I could have been there, of course, but uh, it's nice to be back. All right, enough chicanery. Let's get into the garage and get this show on the road. We're going to start off talking uh, about a game which was not so cleverly referenced by yours truly in the intro to this show, and that is Firewatch. Uh, IGN had a, a, what do they call it, first watch, first look, a first peek at uh, this game, Firewatch, 17-minute gameplay video is up on YouTube. It's linked in our show notes. You need to go watch that and then come back here. Otherwise, you will have no fucking idea what we are talking about. But At all. We, I barely know when I watched it. I, I watched it, too. And, 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 I, and honestly, this is the Seinfeld of video games, what we're doing right here. Because it is a game about nothing. And I don't... I, I, I say that in jest, really. What this game is actually about is, is some relatively interesting stuff. But by the, the standards uh, of video games that you have played in the past, you watch this and you keep waiting for something. You keep waiting for the zombies to strike. You keep waiting for the cave troll to jump out. You keep waiting for a serial killer in a clown mask to jump out. And none of that happens because Firewatch is a different kind of game, uh, isn't it, Lauren? Yeah, I, I thought it was really interesting, Brent. I, I don't know if you were uh, had time to get through all seventeen minutes of it or not, but I've actually, I've actually watched it a couple of times because I thought it was so interesting and unique. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what the gameplay is going to pan out to be long term. Uh, you know, we get to see. I mean, we see, we see a huge chunk of it, but but I'm still not clear on what exactly the the overarching gameplay is necessarily. Other than at this point, you know, being. A, a park ranger, kind of, but well, certainly uh, exploration. Certainly, there's some exploration. Absolutely, and certainly, there's going to there. There's objects you can interact with in the environment, uh, tools, and various things like that. That I imagine you'll end up uh, relying on. We see a little bit uh, brandishing of a flashlight. Perhaps more interesting than that. Early in the video, there's a moment where the uh, the character is having to do a little orienteering uh, with a a compass and map. And I actually really got interested in that. It uh, it, it will remind you of, of playing a little bit of DayZ and having to look at a map, having to look at a compass, and basically figure out where the hell you are and where the hell you want to go. And that that kind of, I don't know, like that kind of gameplay where just figuring out where you're going, navigating, is is actually a gameplay element to be solved as opposed to just a blip on a HUD that you have to follow. I, I, I really dig that. And I think that that speaks to a game where the, the gameplay is uh, a little bit more grounded than, you know, shooty, shooty, blow up. Obviously, that's there, and there's there's obviously going to be a little bit more to the gameplay than what we're seeing here. I yeah. thought the the what we did see was was very well written. I thought it was humorous. Yeah, the, I, the back and forth, the dialogue's great. Yeah, I thought that I thought the dialogue sort of certainly there were moments that felt a, a little cliche or or. Um, forced a little bit but in general i thought the the dialogue sort of rolled off the tongues of the characters and fit well within the game and i thought the acting was great and there was just there was something 
uh, unique about yeah. about watching this that I don't. I, it's hard for me to quantify because I don't know that I could. I mean, I could take pieces out of it and say this is sort of like that game. You know, as you mentioned the the mapping and or the orienteering mm-hmm. uh, uh, as compared to Daisy, but but it left me with a feeling that I I haven't really felt in a video game before that I can't really make a comparison to. In that it, it just felt like sort of a fun time walking uh, or an interesting time i should say walking around and waiting to see what this is so i'm excited i I, this just came out of nowhere for me and it was surprising in its nature and how different it was from anything i have seen and i'm very curious to see uh what this develops into as we learn more and more about the game i think that uh the thing that i would leave listeners with for those who are listening that have not gone and watched the gameplay video yet and are trying to figure out what the hell we are describing uh, this appears to be uh, a game about a regular schmo working a, a unique but otherwise pretty regular job, and that's what the game is. The, the game is you play somebody who is on Firewatch patrol inside of you know like like a national park or something like that. You know, you're you're, you're like a, an arm of the Forestry Service. You're up in a tower, ostensibly keeping an eye out for smoke for wildfires and things like that. And you've got some other things you've got to do as well. Like you have to go out and you have to tell some drunk campers to stop setting off fireworks because that's a great way to start a forest fire. Uh, you, uh, you have to, you have to, you know, just go around and clean up and, you know, just those kinds of things that somebody in that job would have to do. There's no, there's no grandiose kind of action, heroic journey aspect to anything that we've seen thus far. And, and that is, I think, the source of what makes it so unique. One thing I want to go back to and address real quickly, um, there's a moment that many of you uh, will come across if you watch this video and that I've not really been able to talk about, but there's a moment in this video where uh, the back and forth between the main character and then his boss, who he's on radio with, uh, they get into this interesting back and forth uh, because uh, she she goes off on this, on this pun-filled uh, rant uh, having to do with lightning and you know she keeps coming back and you know saying things about our current conversation and things like that and the guy just keeps oh oh god stop stop oh my god no i've not <laughs> yes. been able to talk about this because i've been under an ndr uh with the developer for a couple of years now but all of those responses that you're hearing are responses that i had to similar rants from daniel kaiser over the years at epic battle cry and uh, they 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 determined that that my pain and and horror uh, to uh, my my reaction of pain and horror to puns is something that they needed to capture within the game, and so they came to me and and asked if if they could work with me on uh, recreating that genuine sensation of disgust. And uh, and, and I worked very closely with the team uh, on that, and I just haven't been able to talk about it until now. <laughs> yes, I, I certainly had some similar thoughts myself. Also, there's a there's a cool moment, and I don't think this is intentional, but I could be wrong. There's a cool moment where the guy goes to like this locked uh, uh, cache, you know, something that like the service would just use out in the woods to you know to keep things like flashlights uh, in, in case of emergency or something. But he, he has to open up this cache, and inside there's you know a granola bar that's five years old or something. There's a flashlight, but there's also a deer antler in there, which he kind of picks up and just, you know, sort of looks like, like what the hell's this? But it immediately brought me back to uh, to Deadwood in that moment where Richardson is, is using that deer antler. He's like praying 
to uh, to the to the antler gods in the hotel and swears it comes down the stairs and says fucking pagan tell your god to prepare for blood and i don't think that, that really works into the game but my god it made me go watch that clip on youtube three times <laughs> oh that's hysterical all dude. right moving on yep so trine three yes i can remember back when trine was just a little itty bitty game and everybody thought it was really clever. And now look at this, man. This thing has turned into a bona fide goddamn franchise. That's a true story, man. Seven million sold, according to the trailer. How about that? And uh, I'm going to actually talk about it a little bit in the road, because coincidentally, having nothing to do with the fact that this trailer was released, uh, I played some Trine 2 over the last week, and I'll talk Pure about that when eh? we hit the road. But Indeed. But uh, I had initially found this trailer uh, a couple weeks ago before uh, the move started, and um, I, I just felt it needed to be on here. I think Trine, is, Trine and Trine 2 are both fantastic games. They are both, in my opinion, among the most beautiful video games I've ever played. Yeah. Um, and I am super, super excited for Trine 3. And I don't know if you noticed, Brent, but in Trine 3, uh, there's actually uh, 3D. And when I say 3D, I don't mean like 3D TV, no, but there's 3D gameplay. 3D, so it's not- son. You mean camera over the shoulder, 3D. Yep. Yep, so you're not just it's not just a 2D side scroller anymore. That's exactly right. Um, I mean, they it's amazing it's amazing to see them expanding this into and to and, but the thing that's so great is that it's still so recognizable as Trine and you will st- you will look at this gameplay trailer and you will see that that great cooperative uh platforming mechanic, you know, the the, the puzzle solving things that you have to do between characters. There's a uh, there's a new character that's uh, that's also shown off in the trailer a bit. But uh it, it's still so Perfectly recognizable as Trine, and yet the expansion into 3D, uh, a peek at some of the boss fight uh, things that uh, that we're seeing look really cool. It, it's it's fantastic. I mean, it's really really cool to, to see how this franchise has evolved. It is indeed, and I, I'm just super excited. It looks as gorgeous and beautiful as ever, only expanded. And uh, I, I just thought it was something that absolutely needed to be mentioned. Yeah. Uh, they're saying that uh, it's coming to PC first. They've established that. And they also uh, they also remind everybody that uh, it will be coming to uh, they'll be, they'll be talking about other platforms after that. And although I think that this news is going to reach you too soon because I want to say that the sale is off today that we're recording this, but uh, trying one and two are eighty five percent off on Steam. Although that might that might be over by the time this show actually reaches you. Uh, but you'll have to go. Check Either way, Steam. I don't know, Brent. What's the? Are you able to see what the actual? Uh, prices, the, even the full price of, for trying and trying to, which I, I can't oh, imagine is more like than 10 bucks. 4,000 space bucks, something. Oh, yeah, dollars. Okay, well, I don't know what the exchange rate is, but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, are definitely, it's definitely worth the money. You should check. They're, they're both fantastic games. Yes. Uh, coming in 2015, by the way, trying three is, uh, and you said first to PC, but I think think it's coming to console in 2015 as well yeah they that what, what they say on the website is that coming to pc first and that you know that it'll be on other platforms after but i mean that the, the period of time involved they, they don't specify so it could very well be on consoles in uh, right. in, in this year also right uh, all right brent so next up we have something that you came across yeah, man, this is uh, this is pretty cool. So what happened is actually one of the developers of this game, one of the uh, the people heading up Nupixo Games up in Canada, a eh, uh, messaged me on Twitter, uh, Minta, and said, uh, you know, hey, dig the show. Uh, you should check out. Uh, you should check out this game that we're doing. And so I went and checked out this game, uh, which there's a Kickstarter. Uh, 
which there is a Kickstarter campaign uh, going for right now called Detective D, The Silk Rose Murders. And this is based on a... This is based on kind of a... a think sort of a Sherlock Holmes-like figure uh, within uh, within Chinese history and folklore, but it is actually based on a a person who existed. Uh, but there were there were a series of novels that popularized the character written by a, a Dutch author. And uh, anyway, this game is is based on the lore of Detective D, and uh, he's a judge magistrate. Uh, during the, I can't remember the, uh, I, it's the Tang Dynasty. I want to say, and, it, and it's, I think it's, it was uh, China's first, uh, first female emperor that was uh, that was in charge at the time. So anyway, this game is a hybrid of your kind of classic uh, adventure, you know, kind of point and click type thing, but fused with this really interesting detective mechanic this detective gameplay mechanic of you trying to piece together and solve uh these various these various crimes that you're investigating and if you go and uh and check out the kickstarter page if you watch the video you'll see how they're proposing that that's going to work so you have kind of traditional adventure game mixed in a hybrid with this detective mechanic in a historical setting it's got badass straight up old school pixel art looks really really cool so anyway the point is i get this tweet i go check out the game and i'm immediately like take my money jesus god make this game um because it just it looks so fucking cool, but anyway, the long and short of it is that um, we uh, we we ended up uh, getting mentioned in their most recent update. They had some uh, they had some some quotes from the press, people who had uh, mentioned the game, and right at the top there is uh, is Brent Adams from Outlaw Gamers, and I was uh, I, I was that was very that was you know very cool that uh, to get a little shout out from them. It's cool that uh, that they were uh, fans of the show and everything, and I think it's a very very cool looking game. So I like to spread the word. On, uh, on things of that nature. I agree. I think everybody should go take a look at it from New Pixo. Um, I just like saying New Pixo. It is a pretty cool name. Um, as is Detective Die. D. <laughs> uh, as is Detective D. Detect- Detective um, Die is the name of an album from a Norwegian black man. Never mind. Anyway. Uh, no, I absolutely. There's what was there left, Brent? You said ten ten days. Uh, yeah, there's ten days to go. They're a little yep. over halfway uh, to their goal at this point. They're trying to raise sixteen thousand Canadian, and they're a little over halfway there with ten days to go. So uh, hopefully yep. uh, they're gonna uh, they're gonna reach their, reach their goal because I'd really really like to play this game. As a matter of fact, yeah, I, 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 I had to call them up and see if they've got like some sort of demo or something right now. Um. um Oh, maybe you should. I to. Uh, but I agree, Brent. I think it was a very interesting looking game, and I, I encourage all of our listeners to check it out um, and see if it's interesting to you. Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, now, this one, Brent, <laughs> this, <laughs> this had to go on here because this is astounding. And it, 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 at first, my, I was curious if my reaction, my reaction to this was initially like, you've got to be kidding me. And as I started thinking about it, it actually sort of made me happy. And this is the news that Star Citizen's client will be a hundred. Let me just stop right there. A hundred. Well, no, hold on. What do you think he could possibly be saying after the hundred? I just ask everybody. Ask yourself. He's going to say a hundred and then something after the hundred. In relation what is it? to is a video dollars? game, what could it possibly be? Yeah. What could this game possibly have that's going to be a hundred of something? A hundred gigabyte download. A hundred gigabytes, people. 
a hundred gigabyte download. Let that sink in for a second. I, a lot. I've not heard. I, I mean, I, the the closest I can think of to that. I'm trying to think of specific games, but I think GTA was fifty. Is that right? Uh, maybe I didn't get it on. Uh, I didn't get it on. You know, on digital download like you. So, but I assu- I would assume it would clock in very close. No, to that. but I think the install was fifty. Also, yeah, okay, uh, or close to it. Um, it. Which it was huge, and GTA is huge. This is just astounding to me. And at first, my first reaction to this, Brent, was you've got to be shitting me. There's no like this is that's laughable. It's ridiculous. Nobody's going to play that. And then I kind of like I kind of stepped back for a second and calmed down, mm. and, and said to myself, "Wait a minute. This is this is actually good news. This is indicative of games moving forward. Uh, games, you know, that are going to require. Granted, this this is sort of the bleeding edge when it comes to that, but." Eventually, you know, I now have a two terabyte drive in my uh, computer that I use as a media drive right. that I don't remember what it cost me. I have an, I have an SSD that I, that I use as my boot drive and I have a, a two terabyte like media storage drive in addition to another 500 gigabyte uh, sort of general storage drive that has my games and that sort of thing sure, on it. And, sure. um, uh, y- you know, and two, two terabytes, 2000 gigabytes um, five, seven years ago was sort of unheard of. And so, you know... It, Probably not far off that we will soon have, you know, uh, pet, pet, petabytes. Is that the next one? I think so, yeah. Terabytes after gigabytes, but it's... No, no, I mean petabytes after, after terabytes. terabytes. Right, yeah. Um, now, obviously, the first PlayStation that got released, the first PS4, is a 500 gigabyte PS4. And so something like this eating would eat up 20% of the storage space. And that, of course, assumes that actually its storage space is pure 500, which we know it's not. Um so uh, it's a big deal, but but, but I kind of I don't know. It kind of warms the cockles a little bit, Brent. It I mean, warms something t- to know to know that. Uh, now I don't have the space on my computer for a hundred gigabyte game, <laughs> despite all of that. You know what I mean? But uh, therefore, I won't be buying it. And uh, I'll, I'll have to clear some room myself. Uh, I can get I can get rid of. Some- Are you planning on getting this game? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I, I backed Star Citizen, and and I certainly am looking forward to playing it at uh, at some point down the road. Although I, I've not I've not really been all that involved in you know the like the alpha beta stuff. You know that I mean you know you can go play the game in various various stages of uh, development right now but uh i, I kind of want to wait for the uh for the final release but anyway my point is that i do uh plan on playing this game which means that uh, i'm gonna have to clear off some hard drive space or upgrade my storage between now and then uh i also kind of i also kind of had a had a moment of like really but then the more i thought about it i'm like you know i mean that's just that I mean that's that's the nature of Star Citizen. I mean everything about this game has been as I saw as I saw described somewhere go big or go home. Everything about this game is we sacrifice nothing. We are doing this game to the you know to to the greatest degree of of ability and finesse that we can and yes that means you're getting a hundred gigabyte download and yes you could have patches for this game that run 14 to 20 gigabytes that's what we're doing and it is newsworthy right now but in another five ten years maybe not i have seen some discussion about the just, just how tenable this is given internet infrastructure there was a there was a back and forth i want to say this was on polygon uh, between two people that, yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, it was, it was a paragraph of one person saying why it's a good thing, a paragraph from another person saying why it's a bad thing. One of the reasons that 
was raised that this is a bad thing is that most people in North America have a data cap on their internet service. I know a lot of people in America. I don't know anybody who's got a data cap on their internet service. Everybody that I know that has internet service within the U.S. has, you know, an unlimited plan. I, I mean, if yeah, I don't know anybody in the U.S. either that has a data cap. If I had a data service. cap, how would I be drowning in all this donkey porn? You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> uh, but but my oh, wait, impression, why am I laughing at that? So, like the thing is, I'm wondering if that person you know, has ever even set foot inside the United States. I'm wondering if that person actually lives here or they're from somebody else, because my impression of, of Canada and Europe is that they have data caps on their internet that, you know, you have like a 25 gig download, uh, you know, per month limit or something like that. Uh, you know, so maybe I'm wrong about that. Maybe, maybe that's not the case either, but anyway, um, because my first thought when I saw this was, well, how are you going to get that? If you know, you're one of those people that's, you know, got like a data cap, like a 25 gig per month thing. You're going to have to download this game in chunks over the course of six months, four months, you know, yeah, whatever. Right. Well, sure. If you, yeah, if you, if you stop all of their web surfing, but that ain't happening. So yeah, that's, that's the only part of this. That's the only part of this that I look at and say, this could be really problematic. You could have, you could have people who backed this, who might really, really have no practical way of getting the game other than to, Start the download on Steam. Wait until it gets to you know whatever, uh, whatever they whatever they can spare in bandwidth that month. Pause it. Wait thirty days. Start it again. You know what I mean? Like like that. Yeah, I mean anky. I think at that point, if it's somebody who if it's somebody who backed it, I mean you're going to run it. So it's interesting. We're not talking about this this week, but there was recently an article on Steam and the customer service, yeah. and and um, you know I was thinking you know if somebody buys it and doesn't notice, and we would run into those problems with the golf club where where uh, people would buy it not knowing it was a DX11 only game and they couldn't play it and they got to go through Steam for refunds, which is a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, and, it is. and um, uh, and uh, you know what I was going to say was is I feel like if you're you know if somebody backed the product and now they can't play it. It wasn't set up front, obviously. On the Kickstarter, this is going to be a hundred gig download. And how would you know and that the, it was going to be a hundred gig download at that point? No, no, I, yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't fault them for that. But my point is, is I think they would need to refund those, that money, or at least offer to uh, to people who are like, look, I intended to get a reward of the game, and 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 I have a twenty five gig a month data cap, and that's just untenable. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not that's that's an unreasonable expectation in my mind that you would think that somebody would would be able to download that. Or, or that you wouldn't at least make accommodations if they couldn't. Yeah, uh, that, that was what I was thinking. Is, is that I would think that they would, I would think that they would need to uh, go into some kind of. They need to think about physical media. They need to think about you know getting a DVD or something like that to uh, uh, you know to these people uh, you know for for the least amount of money possible. Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. But uh, I guess we'll have to see how it shakes out. It, it is, you know, it is uh, it, hopefully, you know, a sign of of what will become increasing internet speeds, increasing internet uh, for those that do have data caps, uh, you know, caps being raised and that sort of thing, and, and then ultimately what will be, you know, higher fidelity and better games because the ad, they will have assets that you know they'll have larger assets. Brent, that's right. In- internet infrastructure will evolve. Because of Star Citizen, or fucking else. Welcome back, everybody, to the clubhouse. Pull up a chair, kick up your feet, and uh, let's talk. 
Before we do that, though, let's talk about the poll. It's not there. I forgot. Again, I'm sorry. I truly, truly am sorry. I respect you all deeply. I want your opinion. I, I really enjoy reading the polls and looking at what everybody has to say. But you have to understand that sometimes when I'm uploading this show, I'm starved for sleep. And, and occasionally when I get into that, uh, that place, I, I forget to, to create a new poll so that uh, that you guys can can participate in that. I'm sorry about that. Really. Jesus, stop harping on Brent already. God. Okay, so anyway, uh having moved past that that heinous oversight on my part, uh let's move on to the topic today. It's going to be an interesting one, and it's one of the rare topics uh that we talk about on this show. I mean, and bear in mind that having no fucking clue what we're talking about in no way stops us from talking about it. But today's topic has the unique distinction of being something that Lauren and I actually know a little bit of something about, and that is <laughs> managing a game community. And uh, there's an article on Polygon from, uh, from whence we are pulling uh, this, uh, this discussion, and uh, the article is titled, Video Games, Culture Wars, and the Death of Community. And it's written by Colin Campbell, and it... Uh, it is the impetus for the story is a panel that was uh, or you know a session at uh, at GDC uh, titled Community Management in the Culture Wars and uh, it there were three people participating uh, Rafe Coster Richard Vogel and uh, Gordon Walton each of whom have been involved in uh, in various community driven games over the years Ultima Online uh, so forth and uh, they were just talking about the um, they were just talking about the challenge of operating a game community, suggesting various uh, strategies at times uh, that are completely contradictory to one another uh, for for how you uh, how you operate a game community in what can be sometimes a very toxic culture. Uh, so that's the setup, Lauren. Uh, as somebody who has operated uh, or who has helped to manage. Uh, the Epic Battle Axe community, now the Outlaw Game community, and who has been a professional community manager uh, up until recently at uh, at HB Studios. Uh, I think that uh, I think the, the first the first round of punditry comes from you. Uh, very good, Brent. Well, this is you know this is an interesting subject, and I, and I wish you know uh, unfortunately they tapped me to be on this panel, and just because of all the other stuff going on, I unfortunately was That's not right. able to You're go. Like, Look, I'm too busy, um, you know, getting this guy in New Orleans arrested and getting the Secret Service to get to the bottom of this fucking email thing. That's I, right. I, I, I can't do and, all this stuff. They came back. They offered me another th- two or three figures. They added some zeros. I still was not able to do it. I'm busy curing uh, cancer, I think it's guys. A, Jesus, busy. Uh, it's a very interesting, interesting discussion nonetheless. And there's some things put forth in here that I agree with personally, and there's some, some things put forth I'm not sure that I agree mm, with personally. I agree. Uh, one of the interesting concepts, though, that I had never really considered, Brent, either with uh, uh, my involvement in, in Epic Battle Axe and now Outlaw Gamers or uh, my, my work professionally for HB Studios was the size of the community and trying to either keep it a specific size or if it reaches a, a sort of critical mass parsing out the size by subdividing the the, the community in a way it's an, it's an interesting theory uh, that they put forth that at some point there's there there is that sort of tipping point where the community becomes big enough that it that it allows for anonymity which allows for uh, aggressive or assertive trolling right. or flaming behavior they, and, they use the and, analogy uh, of of you know career criminals go to big cities because there's anonymity in numbers 
Yeah, and it ma- it makes sense uh, to a degree. Uh, I think psychologically that makes sense. Although I, I just don't know that in my personal experience that I found that. Um, you know, I would say, for example, that the HP Studios forums has somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 really consistently active uh, members. And when I say consistently, I mean on a on a daily to maybe every two to three days active. There's many, many more members than that that are active um, uh, frequently, but maybe not, you know, once a week or every couple weeks. But but really on a regular, regular basis, I would say it's about that amount. And And, and I don't think that... Uh, the people that we had issues with that I ended up uh, having to ban, I don't, I don't think that um, the fear of being acknowledged in a smaller group did anything to deter them from their behavior. I think um, my, my feeling is, and you, ha- you have to understand that it's all sort of based on, uh, on the best that I could suss out given the circumstances. I never personally spoke to over the phone uh, or in person any of these people so it's very hard to tell even with explicit um, very uh, lengthy interactions in writing uh, with people it's still very hard to tell sort of who they are and where they come from and what their motivations are but I I think that two things sort of fundamentally resulted three things maybe fundamentally resulted in people having to be banned uh, from the community in at HP Studios, and then we'll talk a little bit about Brent because I think it's interesting that the big difference that I experienced between uh, working for a company w- in, in which you know m- hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of dollars are at stake uh, around the product, and how that community management changes relative to sort of our experience with Epic Battle Axe and with Outlaw Gamers, where w- we ultimately sort of get to do whatever the hell we want because there's no money involved, really. Yeah. Uh, in, in our website, and so so we sort of police it how we want. Yeah. It's, it's a very it's different a very experience. Different experience, and when you're talking about commerce taking place around a game, and people expect customer support and and that that kind of thing, I I, I would right. And when the commerce isn't yours, yeah. I mean, it might be different if I was the one who put up the money for the game. But um, so uh, but but there's really basically two or three things that ultimately resulted in people being banned, and and this is what I think they were, although I can't really be sure. And one of them I think is just there's people out there that that. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think how to put this, but really sort of lack social skills, um, don't, aren't very good at uh, um, interacting with other people and don't understand what comes across as disrespectful. Um, and I mean that from a sort of psychological you're, standpoint. You're somebody that might be diagnosed as an example with antisocial personality disorder. Right. Yes. Or or uh, so something similar to that. I mean, there's people that there are there is a percentage of the population and it's probably not small. I'm making this up, but five, seven, ten percent of the population that that has a sort of diagnosable, you know, sort of mental issue that that they just don't interact socially the way that 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 the majority of the community expects us what we consider to be basic social norms. And yeah. so um, where they they struggle in in sort of real in person life, they also struggle in places like forums and they probably feel a little bit safer uh interacting in forums because of the anonymity but but ultimately i think there's 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 a section of people that um we're we're just not able to interact in a sort of normal healthy manner i um, I think there is a a group of people uh the sort of second group of people that that actually actively want to go out and use this as an arena to to screw with people or to be an asshole or that they just want to troll and flame and you know what i mean um and then i think there is another subset of people who have a similar outcome as the first group, but for very different reasons. And that is, I, I feel like I did run into some people that um, 
might have ended up being banned because of their their lack of mastery of the language uh, and their lack of uh, or, or and and their their very different sort of cultural background and so things that they that uh, and part of this I've I've learned by being in Brazil and spending a little bit of time overseas, uh, just how different uh, we can be in the context of like. Or, and a great example is if you go to any sort of small town in in the United States, and then you go to New York City, and and the difference in what one culture might consider aggressive, and another culture just considers conversation or assertive or very true. And I I think that. Um, Again, I don't know this for a fact, but I think there's a couple of people who uh, really struggled to be able to have a civil conversation because their cultural ideas of what civility was are very different. Um, I, I, are very different, and on top of that, they don't have a mastery of the language. Yeah. In, in this case, English, Which and you put those two things together. Right, you put those two things together, and they really struggled to have um, civil conversation. Now, uh, that being said. Every single person in our forums got at least three strikes before they were banned. So being banned was the fourth strike um, where I would have long conversations with them about why they why what they did uh, was inappropriate and to try and help to, to explain to them how they could better uh, maybe word their posts. Did that, did that work? Um, were you ever able to were you able to rehabilitate people's behavior uh, to the point? Almost never. Where they weren't banned. I, now. That's an that's an interesting point. That's something that that I'm going to talk about a little bit. But, but please go ahead. Yeah, I mean, almost uh, the, the truth is almost never. I mean, there you could tell the there, the people that you know. I mean, <laughs> the, the people that ended up getting banned. Um, there's almost nobody who who got to three strikes and didn't get to four. The people that that you might be able to say like rehabilitated or whatever usually have one strike and that was and so so real quick to be clear brent they got at least three strikes before being banned and in almost every case in every case i at least gave them an unofficial warning for a fourth strike and usually in a fifth one before actually ban. Yeah. you know I, I mean i really they had usually five opportunities prior to the one that they finally got banned before um getting banned and so most of the people that quote that you might consider got rehabilitated quote unquote uh uh-huh have either one or two warnings because they're people that that understand why they why they were getting warnings but just like one day were like i don't care i'm too this guy's just being an asshole and i'm gonna lash out knowing i'm gonna get a warning or um occasionally people will like you know come home drunk at two in the morning <laughs> and say something and then i'll write them and i'll get an email from them it happens try, actually that's not what my life would look like if, you know if i came home got really drunk and was like god damn it i'm gonna get on the internet and talk shit about some games <laughs> um the almost those people would always when i would write them would say either uh, I'm really sorry. I know that was out of line. Uh, I just got really frustrated and the guy was pissing me mm-hmm. off or whatever. Or they would say something like, you know, I understand that, Lauren, and I can see how you might have thought that across the line. But this is sort of let me explain why I thought this. And then, you know, and there, there would go like that. The, the, the folks that ended up getting banned inevitably wrote, you know, would write stuff like whatever in response to my emails or they would write stuff like. Yeah, they write more aggressive responses to me, and so those people uh, I almost—I can't think of any instance where somebody got within one warning of being banned and didn't, and didn't, didn't end up getting banned. banned. Right. Yeah, yeah. So that was the thing that I was thinking about too, as as I was as I was as I was reading through some of these suggestions and stuff, and, and people talking about 
um, you know, strategies for dealing with this, strategies for dealing with that. Uh, my my thought was, you know, in, in all the years that I've been managing a community and in all the years I've been members of various other online communities and seen those kinds of personalities, I mean, almost every forum I've been a part of, without exception, almost every forum has had at least one or two problem members who who cannot and I think are, are on some level incapable of of following the, the, the rules and guidelines laid out by the people who, who are running that forum, who continually, uh, who continually, you know, end up either harassing other people and will inevitably get banned. will come back under a different name and then everybody will figure out it's the same person all over again, you know, and that kind of thing. I've seen it time and time and time again, both in our community and in others. And, and I've I've come to, to the to I think the, the same conclusion that you were just talking about. I I think that you have a you have a certain percentage of the population, um, whether by choice or by nature, uh, who who really cannot uh, fit into your community the way that you want them to. And over the years, when, when we first when we first started out, you know, doing epic battle. Acts and, and then you know slowly kind of getting a community and stuff. I was always very reticent to to ban anybody because I thought you know even if they have an inflammatory opinion, um, I, I feel an obligation to to let them have their say. Um, you know that's that's the that's the the the, the First Amendment uh, you know part of me that uh, that really believes that you only have freedom of speech if you're hearing things that you vehemently are offended by and disagree with. If you're not hearing those things, then you don't have fucking freedom of speech. So, I, I you know, really believing in that principle led me to to really, really uh, put put banning at the as you know the dead last option that we were going to have, and and we were going to exhaust everything between here and there to try to make sure that didn't happen. But like you were just talking about, in almost all the problem cases that we had. Looking back on it, it seems inevitable. Looking looking back on it, it seems as though you, you could almost see it's like this is not going to work. We're going to end up banning this person. I can tell right now, uh, and and that's usually what would end up happening. Uh, yeah, but, but it's still it's, it's still vital that you go through the same process with each person. I, I agree. I, I mean, I, I don't think that you can judge. You know, you can't. You know, if, if we have some problem member that pops up this week, I'm not going to just you know flat out ban them because oh well, that them, guy right. from you know two years ago, like they said similar things. So this must be you know this is this is going to be the same you know behavior all over again. Let's just cut to the chase. I agree with that, but I'm just saying that um, I have kind of resigned myself uh, similarly. That there is a small percentage, and that's the thing. But I mean, we've had a very, very small number of people that we've out and out banned over the years. It, it's been a very, very small number. Yes, and and, and I, I, I at HP Studios, it was also. I mean, maybe a total of uh, barring the people that came back seven times of different yeah. people. Um, it was probably a total of maybe five to seven or eight. Um, less than ten. Maybe 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 less than ten people like outright banned all of them after. Five or more warnings out of I think something like you know four thousand registered members or yeah. something. Um, so anyway, just to just to put it, sort of a, a cap on on it, um, I I am very skeptical uh, as to the as to the idea that for for that for for that percentage whatever it is I, I think it's less than ten percent. 
But for whatever percentage of your audience on your site that is going to engage in that specific kind of um, constant, repetitive, harassing behavior, I really, I really don't think that there's a lot of hope of reforming those individuals. Um, I think that your the culture of your website itself and how you how you kind of manage that culture i think that takes care of the people who are maybe engaging in that because well i i see other people just you know kind of shooting from the hip and you know kind of flaming a little bit and there's a sort of an undertone of rudeness and personal attacks and everything so i'll just engage in that too i guess that's just that's just how it is here you know th- those kinds of things can be managed by just the culture that you promote on your website. Um, but I don't think that, I don't think that the majority of those people are engaging in the problem behavior to the degree of these, you know, these people that we're talking about that, that legitimately seem as though they have like an antisocial personality, uh, where they, they are incapable of, uh, of, of abiding by, you know, the, the, I guess the kind of the social norms that, you know, a neurotypical person expects just as an example. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that, I think that there's, I think that there, there is a certain futility, uh, in, in some cases to, you know, to reforming people. And I think that while, while people on here, you know, kind of, they're kind of talking about it in terms of, well, uh, you know this, this this is about cultures clashing and uh you know if you if you just start filtering people out then you're not really you're not really helping the situation because that just encourages people to to you know retain to their small groups even more and engage in kind of more tribalism and and et cetera et cetera um, but i I think with that as with everything there's a threshold there's a point at which disagreements and arguments and things like that that are going on um are manageable simply because it's just it's just different it's just difference of opinion uh that that gets really heated or you know where the stakes are perceived to be really high there's a threshold below which that kind of stuff does get managed simply by you know leadership within the community and and people people saying like hey you know this it's great that we're having this discussion but it's only constructive if we're not attacking each other and and we're actually talking about the subject at hand but above that threshold um, it, it, there, there's a there's a group of people that I perceive to be the real problem. Um, that it, it's it's really not about it's not about like culture war or anything else. It's just about them kind of being unable to uh, to make nice with everybody else. Yeah, you know, I do want to point out, Brent, before we close out the discussion, something else that I think is of vital importance, and I'm and I'm so th- glad that it was brought up in the in the um. In the article, and that is that uh, they allude to the fact that the the importance of being honest and forthright with your community. And yeah. I think more than anything, I think, uh, and, and I think we've seen this, Brent, but I think more than anything, uh, being honest and forthright with your community with, with information, telling them what's going on is of vital importance. And being honest and forthright with uh, how you deal with people that are problems uh, is of vital importance. And being able to deal with them as, as fairly and equally as possible uh, is, is very important. 
and I think you know there is a. It was very interesting. I, I wish that HP Studios would have really made an effort to document our experience and then taken it to GDC because we went through a lot of very interesting permutations of community management in the context of we released games. Um, you know, the game came out on Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC. The game was released on the three platforms separately. Uh, we updates would come out at different times. Um, and there were times during the process where I wondered if we were uh, exhibiting too much candor, if we were giving out too much information because uh, we, we were we were completely transparent. And sometimes it really left people um, sort of shaking their heads and not understanding what was going on because we would tell them, like, look, we, you know, we've submitted it. We have no control over this. We, we don't know why it's not been up yet. Yeah. And it did definitely make me wonder at times if there was too much information, but I think, uh, w- which I think is interesting, and I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not saying uh, right now on the air if, if, if it was either good or bad, but it was, it was an interesting experience, and um, I, think that's, I think that candor piece is, is just vital. I, I, think, I think that's true. I, I think that, well, here's, here's what I would say. I think that in, in whatever interaction you're going to have with your audience, I think you need to be honest, but that is a, you know, that's a separate metric from... Uh, from how much information you're going to share, you know, you have to, you have to kind of set that, that meter, you know, whatever, you know, the comfort level is and, 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 you know, I think try to be consistent, but wherever that, wherever that one needle shows up, you know, honesty has always got to be, uh, always honesty has always got to be a, a part of the situation. Um, I think, I think just to, just to close out with a couple of things that we didn't really address from the article, but uh, that that are talked about. I was a little bit I was a little bit curious about the there's there's a statement made at one point, and I'm not clear if this is uh, if this is the the article's author or if this is you know like a a, a kind of a summation made by one of the one of the people on the panel. But, um, well, I, I'm sorry, at, at one point, it looks like this is being attributed to Coster, um, but he's, he's talking about, um, he's talking about having kind of groups separated from each other, existing kind of in an echo chamber where they're just kind of reinforcing their own opinions and things like that. And then, right. uh, when they come into contact with another group that doesn't agree with them, you get this big cultural clash, which he distills down as uh, a disagreement between the political left and the political right in the West. And I, I really found myself scratching my head at that because there's no, there's no uh, clarification or any other information given on that. And I'm trying to figure out what, what context that claim is made in because there, I mean, there's no information to kind of, you know, uh, you know, I don't know to, to, to back that up. And I don't really know what the, I don't really know what the relevance is to to game communities at all outside of possibly uh, the Gamergate situation, which, which certainly there were you know kind of accusations going both ways that uh, you know this was a I, I don't know like you know kind of like a traditional or mainstream sort of uh, you know sort of group of people versus like a social justice warrior group of people, and there's this kind of you know progressive versus uh, uh, you know conservative mindset I, outside of that one instance. I, I can't really think of of any way that like political left versus political right by Western uh, standards uh, really factors into uh, the toxicity of discussions on 
I don't know, on game trailers or Steam about uh, about anything. You know, it, it's it, that's I've never really I've never really found that to be the case within our within our own community. I mean, there's plenty of you know people in our community that you know from both sides of of that spectrum that disagree about you know political stuff and agree and disagree about all kinds of unrelated game things. Um, I, I don't quite understand that. Uh, I, I would, I would, lo- I would love to have seen like video or something from the panel to to kind of better grasp what they were talking about there. Um, but anyway, just to uh, just to just to sum up, uh, it was really interesting to to kind of get get the insight and to kind of see how you know some people I think tend to favor uh, an approach that that does ban people. Uh, for bad behavior and, and other people feel uh, that that's that's not exceptionally constructive uh, you know some people feel that that really what you have to do is you have to you know have like you know leaders within the community that are working kind of as ambassadors to uh, you know to set a good example and all that and, and I, I think I think all those things are, are true it's not necessarily an either or proposition but I guess that I feel like uh the 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 one thing that is said in this article that I think really really struck a note with me this uh, this statement that oftentimes what will what will solve these kinds of these kinds of friction problems you know at, at the edges of different you know kind of subgroups is if the community overall feels a sense of identity to the community itself that is a, a uniting factor. Uh, that eclipses those kinds of things, and I think that that really, really rang true to me because uh, through you know the various kinds of debates and discussions and disagreements that uh, you know that we've had on the website over the years about things gaming and non-gaming related, um, that that sense of community, that sense of we are axe heads or we are outlaws, that 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 feeling of of really belonging to something worthwhile, uh, you know keeps us together i i I think it's 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 like family it's like yes uh you know me and my sibling uh we don't get along or you know me and my parents really disagree about this but we're family we have this unifying thing that binds us together and no amount of disagreement is going to pull us apart because of a disagreement uh that i think is is very very true and if you if you can engender that kind of that kind of sense of uh, of identity within your community. If you inspire people to feel that you know belonging to uh, your community is is worthwhile to them, I think that does solve a lot of your problems uh, right there. Because uh, it, because as we know, uh, belonging to a community like Epic Battle Axe or a, a community like Outlaw Gamers, uh, that alone I think has has been enough to help our community certainly flourish and avoid a lot of these toxic traps that, uh, that they're describing here. Although I wish I could give advice on how you do that. I, I really don't know how you do it. Right. <laughs> I think, I think we were, I couldn't, I couldn't I, I explain think, it. To I think we've been else. very lucky. We've been very fortunate to have an amazing group of people uh, as members who have, who have uh, not only upheld, but personified the yes. ideals that, that, that you and I uh, and Daniel and Tony have always felt were very important. That is thoughtful, intelligent, respectful discussion uh, about video games. And, and uh, we've been very lucky. And I, I can't I can't put a finger on it either. Um. Other than that's just how we wanted it. That's just, you know, what we always talked about. 
And that's, you know, what we, that's what we held up and valued. And we've made it a priority and made it clear that it's a priority. I I, I think so. I mean, it was, it was interesting, especially in the game trailers years to see people coming from game trailers to Epic Battle Axe and to see them kind of frankly behaving the way that they were used to behaving on game trailers and seeing people from our community saying, uh, you know, that's not how we do things here. And that's the thing. I think that, I don't think that anybody wants to be in a toxic community. You know, I don't, I, I think that there are very few people that actually want that environment. Most people don't. And I think that if you, you know, kind of give them a sense of empowerment to, to help steer it, I think that the majority of people are going to try to make their community the best that it can be. I would agree with that. So we want to hear what you guys think now. Uh, you guys are in as, as good a position as anybody to sound off on this because you're part of the greatest gaming community on the planet. And we'd love to know what you guys think about this and, and, and what you think has been effective uh, in, in our community and, and maybe other communities that you belong to, maybe not as effective. Uh, but I, I'm really, really anxious to hear what you guys have to say about this because you guys have a front row seat to all of it. And I imagine you're going to have some great insight. Okay, guys, we're going to hit the road. We're going to get our hands on some games and uh, and talk about that a little bit. Lauren, you're going to start us off with the most unlikely game ever uh, to show up in the road, for you at least. Tell us all about... I'm trying to think if, if this is, in fact, the most unlikely game ever, or if something like Rambo is less likely. But actually, I, I do think that this game is more unlikely because I actually played this entire game and That's hated right. it. You're on the record. As, hey, we recorded an entire podcast where you talked about how much you hated this fucking game. This would be the equivalent of me coming into the road and saying, guess what I did? I played Bioshock Infinite. That's that's what we're talking about here. You hated Bioshock Infinite that much? I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I really, really... I really did not like it, as I think I, I think it was pretty clear about how much I, I know, like but it when uh, the postmortem on it. So uh, the the yeah, people Brent. I mean, site. people quit the site over me not liking Bioshock Infinite. The I as I mentioned to you uh, a few hours ago, I have begun playing The Last of Us again. Jesus, uh, and you were shocked. I'm still shocked. Uh, understandably, nothing. Um, but uh, part of the reason, it should be understood that part of the reason, a big part of the reason that I'm playing this game is because I got it for free. Okay. Um, when, I bought my, when I bought my PlayStation 4, I, bought a, uh, I left my other PlayStation 4 in Brazil. I'm just going to sell it down there. It's easier than bringing it back up. So I bought a new one here. And when I did that, I got a free copy of The Last of Us Remastered and uh, Infamous um, Second Son, which, by the way, Brent, uh, I had mentioned this to you before, but we will be giving that away on the show maybe next oh, week. Hooray. Uh, because I have an extra uh, code Sounds for the awesome. game. But uh, um, so I got a free code for The Last of Us Remastered, and I thought, you know what? I got this code. I should check it out. And yes. I downloaded it. I've only played the very, very, very beginning, Brent. Um, but it, uh, the remastered game, first of all, is gorgeous. Does it, does it really look that much better than the PS3 version? It does to me. It, it, it looks significantly better than the PS. From what I remember, the PS3 version looking okay. like. Um, it does. It, it looks. It looks really, really okay. good. Um, so I've only played through a little bit of it. I did. So I got a new TV. I, again, uh, the other thing I thought that was pretty appropriate, Brent, was that you know you recall that I played. 
uh, The Last of Us sitting on an empty floor on my TV when I first got to yes. Brazil. Uh, and now I am playing it when I first got back to uh, have gotten back. Not, not quite on an empty floor. I have a bigger, bad, more badass TV, and I have a chair to sit in, so it's much more comfortable. Um, It'll be interesting to see how that I, changes your appreciation for the game. I have enjoyed the first 15 minutes. I will let you know uh, how it goes. I, I don't have much to report other than that I'm playing it. It looks beautiful. And right now, I'm not hating it. Well, so, okay. There's so many things I want to say, but I, I don't want to insult you. Wait, okay. yes, I do. Um, <laughs> I always felt like the things that you were saying that you did not like about the game to me seemed... Um, I don't want to say that they were trivial in the sense that like, Oh, Lauren, come on. Like, you know, you don't really mean what you're saying or, or that doesn't really matter as much as you're saying it does, because I, I respect your opinion deeply. And, and, and I know that you're, you're an intelligent enough, uh, self-aware enough person to, uh, you know, to articulate why something didn't appeal to you. But I guess I always harbored, I was always so surprised at the veracity of, your disdain for the last of us. And there was a part of me, and I think I told you this, there's a part of me that always felt like if you came back to that game and played it, um, in another place, another time where other things that, that were going on were not, uh, were not in play the way that they might've been. I always wondered if your reaction to the game would be, different even substantially different and so uh if you continue playing maybe i'll find out whether or not that's the case yeah you might and it's fair enough i mean i certainly my complaints weren't trivial in the context of um uh my complaints if i recall i can summarize them briefly being that i I thought that the story and gameplay were terrible um and certainly those aren't trivial things in the context of uh, not trivial in the sense of like, oh, I didn't like the color palette or the sound was really bad or, you know what I mean? I mean, these were major issues that I had uh, mm-hmm. with the game. And, I, and my vehemence probably, and I don't re- recall, um, but my vehemence, part of my vehemence, I'm sure, had to do with the, with the uh, veracity with which people were praising the game. So, I mean, it was everybody's game of the year. And I'm sure that played into my uh, sort of antithetical you know, it's the worst game of the year, uh, or certainly the biggest disappointment to me. Um, but I, but I don't disagree with you, Brad. I mean, certainly when we play games, what's going on in our lives, uh, the, the circumstances under which we play them. Yeah, it matters. Uh, matter. Absolutely. There's no question about it. And so Fable three, great uh, example, uh, uh, which know, a game, should, which I enjoyed should never have played Fable three on election day. Shouldn't have done it. <laughs> um, so, mistake. so I, you know, I'm open to the idea that, that, I mean, I recognize, uh, I also respect your opinion greatly and the opinion of many, many other people who, who have said it's one of the best games they've ever played. And so I respect those opinions enough to recognize that there's at least some validity to the idea that something might be gained by revisiting it. And, fr- and frankly, you and I talked about it just a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. so it's fortuitous and, I, and I'll let you know, um, I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. I look forward to hearing that. Yep. Uh, for my own part, uh, I've got yet another Star Wars Commander update. Uh, I talked briefly about this with Tony, but uh, I really, I really got <laughs> got myself uh, buggered in, in this in this game. Uh, which to just briefly recap for you, basically what happened is I made the mistake. Uh, the, the way the game works, uh, it, you know, you 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 have these various levels. You can upgrade your your buildings and your troops and all that. Level one, level two, that kind of thing. And right. currently, the cap of the game is level eight. 
And I made the hideous mistake. As you may recall, there was an update I gave on Service Command at one point where I basically said, I have become a god in this game. I am invincible. I yes. cannot be beaten. And uh, you know, I had I had won some insane number of engagements against me. You know, people attack my base, and I mean, it was just like a streak, like I had never seen. Um, and I I, I kind of discovered why, and the reason is that you know, as you move into these various levels, uh, which is kind of determined by your by your base, like like your headquarters, like like this one building in your base that. Um, is is kind of the, the the focal point, and so you upgrade that to level seven. Well, now you're a level seven player, and now you're attacking other level seven players, and so forth. And the thing is, like, you can't upgrade any of your other buildings to level seven until your headquarters gets upgraded to level seven. That's kind of where the gatekeeper thing happens. Okay, and um, I had not really put that together uh, until I upgraded my headquarters to level eight and nothing else in my base. And so what ended up happening is I upgraded my headquarters to level eight. And suddenly I've gone from like the top of like the level seven. I'm, I'm the big fish in the level seven pond. Now I'm the little fish in the level eight pond. And I just got my ass handed to me continuously. And, um, <laughs> And I'm I'm still I mean like I'm right now trying to dig my way out of that and you know slowly like upgrade everything else but you know suddenly I'm like going up against I'm attacking level eight bases with level seven troops conversely my level seven base except for the headquarters is getting attacked by level eight players and just decimated time and time again and uh, and I kind of realized like wow I really uh, you know I really fucked this up pretty uh, pretty hardcore so anyway the long and short of it is. There's this one vehicle I got as part of a, you know, one of like the one of the the, the campaigns that they run. Uh, and the only way to upgrade vehicles that you win as prizes in campaigns is to win upgrade points in future campaigns. And I was trying to upgrade this vehicle and I literally could not do it. I went through two campaigns and could not do it just because I literally could not hang uh, in, in this like like this level eight, uh, you know, tier that I'm in right now. I just I had not invested my money uh, in the right things, and I was getting my ass kicked. So through two campaigns, I couldn't upgrade this vehicle. Finally, managed to do it this weekend. I finally got some upgrades under my belt, and they just did a they just did like a like a three or four day multiplayer campaign, and I finally got this thing out there. But I mean, it was it was seriously demoralizing me there for like a month or two. It was just it was grinding my will to live <laughs> into a fine powder that aristocratic people in exotic lands would put into hookahs and smoke uh, while they, uh, while they watched poor people fight each other to the death. Dude, this is, this is, uh, this is what you get for hubris. Yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. It was, <laughs> it was the peak and the fucking valley and the valley. <laughs> that's what happened to me. So, right, anyway, so that's, my, that's my Star Wars commander. You have another game on here, Brandon. I'm curious to, to hear if it's uh, if it's the handheld version. Uh, it's, it's, it is, and it's not. Um, I, I talked about playing XCOM on my iPad, yeah, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Well, I, I, and I've continued doing that, and I fucking love it, but I got a couple of hours into XCOM on the iPad and forgot that I, I got the expansion on PC, the XCOM, The Enemy Within, right. which adds a whole bunch of new stuff to the game, and so I suddenly realized, like, oh, shit, like, I'm, I'm missing out on all that. Like, this is just... 
you know, just this, this is just the enemy unknown uh, thing on the iPad. So uh, the enemy within adds. What what is it that it adds, Brian? It adds something. It's a weird twist, isn't it? Yeah. So basically, the enemy within uh, ends up adding kind of a a new sort of story arc, uh, as it were, that has to do with this group of um, this group of humans that. They they have kind of created uh, like cybernetic enhancements for themselves. They're using alien tech to enhance their bodies, and so you know th- there's this you know bizarre kind of uh, uh, you know human technology hybrid that is taking place, which you can incorporate into your own troops the same way that you would capture alien tech and and gotcha. research it and incorporate yep. that. You will have you will have fights against this other faction, this third faction of uh, of human hybrids. That um, that you know you'll fight against them, and then you can you know incorporate their tech if you so choose. And the game is you know supposed to present this as kind of you know a slightly questionable choice of you know how far are you willing to go to win? Are you gonna are you gonna sacrifice your humanity to save humanity and those kinds of things? Again, all of this is from the back of the box, uh, figuratively speaking, because I have not played it yet. I've just started. Uh, replaying my game on the PC uh, where I had the expansion because I basically just forgot about it. Like I got it, I got really excited about it, and then I like, moved on to something else and totally forgot. So I'm really anxious, as much as I love XCOM, which you know is a lot, yep. uh, I really want to play it again with the expansion because I think it's going to really, it's, it's going to be, in some respects, a whole new game, at least until somebody at Fraxis decides that what we need is a whole new XCOM game, which I'm down for any time. That's awesome. I, you know, when I, I, I still have not played this game, and when I asked you, guess what game playing game I'm playing, Brent? Your first reaction was XCOM. It better you be idiot. XCOM. And uh, <laughs> uh, good old shoes when he uh, convinced me to to. I don't remember if he gave me XCOM or gave me bought me the Enemy Within, but he said Enemy Within is really the way to play the game. Yeah. Well, excellent. That's, uh, that that that's uh, a glowing endorsement. I'm really anxious to. Uh, get in farther into my game right now I'm, I'm still at the you know like in the first hour yeah that's a game that fortunately you know i could see playing that game even two years from now i don't think it's gonna lie like it's such a good game mechanically yeah uh that that i don't think time is gonna hurt that game for you know very badly no. it's not you know graphically no. it's interesting to look at and it's not about you know the graphics necessarily no, it's and, it's just like the art style and everything and the graphics i think they're like right where they need to be to like work work well together Yes, and it's it's not like a game that you go back and you're like, oh, I can't possibly play this because it's you know it's 32 bit graphics. Right? No, 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 no. And it's really about the gameplay. And so, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm hoping one day I will get to that game. However, so I hope so too. Um, so Brent, the the last two games that I'm going to talk about just briefly here are both games uh, that I purchased because my new television is 3D. Ooh. Um, and I didn't actually buy the TV with the express desire to so get you 3D. Stole? Oh, oh, gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> with the express desire to get 3D. As a matter of fact, I had decided that I didn't need 3D and then selected this TV that I wanted and realized that it actually had it. So uh, I thought, okay, I'll get it. It's a Sony set. It's a 50-inch Sony set. And it's... Uh, uh, unfortunately, there are... Uh, precious few games on the PS4 that actually support 3D. And, uh, and I won't even get into 3D movie content. It's, it's been a tremendously frustrating experience. But um, <clears throat> of the games that are available, and there's only uh, one or two other games besides what I'm about to tell you, uh, I have played Trine 2 in 3D, uh, which is uh, incredible, phenomenally beautiful, amazing 3D, uh, and j- just stupendous. Just a, a perfect 
use of 3D, and, and, and uh, it begs the question why more games aren't doing it when you play Trine 2 3D. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's got this wonderful storybook feel to it that the game already had. It's even more pronounced uh, when you play it in 3D, and it's, it's absolutely wonderful in 3D, and I, I, I cannot... If you have a 3D TV, you should play Trine 2 in 3D. It, it is an example of, of what playing... Uh, why why one would want to play a 3D game. Um, the other one is Sniper Elite 3, sort of randomly enough. Interesting. Um, happens to have been, uh, they have a 3D option. And so I per- picked it up for 30 bucks at the local store here. Uh, and I've only played about... Um, Maybe twenty minutes of it in three D. It is um, it is interesting. You know, Sniper Elite is is uh, um, an enjoyable series of games to play. I wish there were more sniper games out there like this. Um, like harkening back to games like Project IGI back in the day, which was one of my very favorite games back in the day. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, I, I don't know where I fall out on this game uh, as a game yet, or in three D. It plays. Well in 3D, it looks good. There's a couple things that, like, HUD elements that need to be tweaked, um, like this, like when you scope down the 3D site. But, you know, it's got that slow-motion Mortal Kombat, you know, it's, it's bone-crushing bullet time thing, which has gotten even worse now. I, I shot this guy. <laughs> like, I, I think I read about this before, but I had forgotten I about it. I cut his spleen in half. It was awful. No, 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 no. It's better than that, Brent. He was knee, sort of kneeling down a little bit, like on one knee. Like that you was would his if first you, mistake. If you, take, if you take a knee in football or whatever, and I shot his the knee that was elevated. Uh, yeah. Apparently, the angle, I, I, I shot right through that knee and into his testicle, and it actually, like, it peels <laughs> It peels back. It shows you his dangling testicle, like internally. Um, so, it, and it shows. What do you the mean bullet. internally? Like inside his fucking pants? Internally? I mean, no, no, no. Inside his body. Inside his body. No, no, inside his body. Like X-rays. Like they. So I it shows you. It shows you his testicle uh, as the bullet is going through it. Yes. And it says it actually says like testicle shot twenty six XP or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, it's brutal, but. Um, it's so far it's been fun the 3d seems to work very well i I wish there were more games that supported 3d and i hope there there will be uh in the future because it's completely enjoyable at least till vr comes out yet another game that is just leading us down the disintegrating path of our society to the point where we reach the all-time favorite television show of people everywhere ow my balls <laughs> uh, it all starts here, buddy. It all I wish, starts here. I wish, actually, you know what? I now realize that being on the PS4, I could have saved that video clip of. You should uh, have shared uh, that, definitely. I, I absolutely yeah. should have, and we could have linked to it potentially yes. uh, in the show notes or something like that, so people could have looked at it on my. An uh, opportunity missed, clearly. Yeah, so, uh, so those are the games I've been playing. You know, I found out uh, when, I, when I came back here that until I make this, uh, I sat down to play Dragon Age Inquisition, which I've been dying to get back to, and realized that none of my games saves are there and until i make this my primary ps4 i won't have any of my cloud saved game saves um and if i make it my primary ps4 my wife who who has a secondary account on the ps4 that's in brazil will no longer be able to play her games that she's playing and so i don't want to sort of lock her out of her games. so for the next couple months i can't play I, i can't play dragon age which was my big plans uh so i'm gonna i gotta play games i haven't played yet but um What'd you say? 
I said, but alas, but alas. So, so I'm playing games. I've played Electrine and uh, and Sniper uh, Sniper Elite Three, The Last of Us. I would like to see if I can pick up a, a cheap copy of the Order uh, just to just to give that a try. I can't find it at Redbox, so I was going to see if I can pick up a cheap copy of that. And I'm actually interested in the Sherlock Holmes game, Crime and Punishment, which actually got pretty decent reviews. Yeah, I got that as well uh, for PS3. I'm I'm anxious to do, uh, I'm anxious to check that out actually. Yeah, well, hopefully we'll be able to talk about that and more as as uh, we move forward in the coming weeks. I'm a little bit set up here, so. With that, Brent, I think we're going to wrap up. And as usual, we're going to turn it over to our listeners. We want to hear what you guys think about everything we talked about today. Trying 2 in 3D, Sniper Elite 3 in 3D, XCOM The Enemy Within, Star Wars Commander, The Last of Us Remastered. Of course, what we discussed in the clubhouse, the state of video game communities uh, and communities in general on the Internet. And then what we talked about while we were hanging out in the garage, Star Citizen's 100 gigabyte download. Detective, I was going to say Detective Die. Detective D, The Silk Rose Murders from New Pixel Games. Make sure you check out that Kickstarter trying three trailer and of course the announcement of firewatch we want to hear what you guys think about all of those things and anything else related to games as usual he is brent adams i am lauren baumgarten thank you guys for joining us and remember you don't stop playing because you get old you get old because you stop playing